Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Dying Alive podcast. The Penguins are down 2-1 to one in their Stanley Cup qualifying series against the 24th seed, Montreal Canadiens. Things are, well, they're not bright right now, and we're going to talk about it. So if you need to get some things out or you just want to hear a little bit of venting, this will be the episode for you. This is the Dying Alive podcast. Pat, I was waiting for you to come in there with a not great Bob. <laughs> uh, you know, it felt it felt like this <laughs> this moment called for a little bit more, you know, being a little more serious because God knows right now. Uh, well, you know what? You said it. Not great, Bob. Things are not great, Bob. <laughs> oh. To quote the great modern day philosopher, Stephen A. Smith, I am having a very bad day. Did he say that one time? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a great clip. I tweeted it last night after, um, after Petrie made it 4-3. Just said at Penguins, and it was a video of him going, I am having a very bad day. <laughs> Crab Rangoon, things, things of that nature. nature. <laughs> Do you know what the source material on that was? I, I don't know. I mean, I know that he like he'll he'll go on rants a lot, whether it's on first take or uh, his radio show, and he'll just go off on something and be like, and things of that nature. Oh, by the way, Jesse Marshall of the Athletic Pittsburgh. <laughs> yes, and Pat Damp of the Pens Blog. <laughs> Welcome to the Dying Alive podcast. This. This, like I said in the intro, this is going to be just, we're just getting it all out on this one. Like things are not great and we needed an outlet and sorry to you guys that listened that we didn't send out correspondence requests. We just, we needed, we needed an outlet after what we have watched for the last week. We had to get the time yielded back. Yeah. the, The time needed to be yielded to the host's. Sorry that it's another two-man show. Uh, Mike had to work, so obviously that screwed up our schedules, but we really wanted to to get an episode in because whatever happens on Friday, we wanted to make sure we got a playoff episode in, and damned if this isn't a good way to do it. Yeah, that, ha- that came and went quick, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> in fact, I don't... This five-game stuff is uh, a different world, for sure. There's no question about it. I, I'm like... I'm still like I feel like I have my eyes closed and I'm just like feeling along the wall. Like I don't know where I'm supposed to be, you know. Uh, yeah, and I'm uh, like I didn't want to overreact from game 1 even though it was a it's a five game series and obviously everything's a little bit heightened in that regard, but at the same time like you know, I I, I will say for game 1 and game 2 a lot of positives to take. You know, you watch those games and there were a lot of things that you saw happen that you went, you know what? <clears throat> Five game series, they're doing the right things. It, it might it might bite them in the ass because it's a short series and, and there's so little margin for error. But when you see them do those things, you're literally talking about a coin flip because it's five games. You know, one bounce here, one bounce there. And it, it it completely turns the series on its head. But last night, Wednesday night, game three was just... 
I'm still struggling. Well, it was to... the difference. I mean, it was the difference in the three for sure. It was the one of these things is not like the other uh, of the whole uh, caboodle. And and to be to be fair though, like you know, in what you said, there's something to hang your hat on. You know, when you're in a position where you're controlling sixty five plus percent of all the events that are happening, you know, in a given game and even strength, that's dominant. And even if you have a hot goalie, look how hard. Look at you know. Look how much it took for Montreal to get one of those wins. Um, you know they were sustaining, you know, pretty much sustained pressure the entire way through. So, you know, I uh, now the question is: is like, given the fact that your your back's against the wall, can you replicate any of those sixty-five plus percent performances? I I don't know because you know, like I said, you don't want to overreact, right? Like you don't want to. You don't want to base an opinion on a fairly small sample size, but therein lies the paradox. This is a small sample size event. It's not the regular season. It's not a 10-game stretch. It's not even a seven-game series. So it's really hard to to, to do the whole, oh, you know, the, the process is there. They're doing the right things. They did the right things. They had an off night. Shit happens. I mean... There, while there were good things to be taken from games one and game two, and there were positives early in game three, a lot of the negatives are glaring. For sure. Uh, they stick out like a sore thumb because of the sample size, like you said, and that there's not a lot of time. You know, they, 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 there's the, the stage is bigger in the sense that those mistakes play a I think a larger role uh when there's less hockey overall and it, this is it, it to me though what's different about this is that you know you're kind of used to like the give the puck up kind of mistake but this is not that they're actually like taking pretty good care of it it's the assignment stuff it's the system stuff, like with the power play specifically in the one for twelve run. You know that was all that was a hundred percent, you know, system driven. So I think the, you know, the the head scratcher in all of this is like the source of it is kind of new. I guess is one way of putting it. Yeah, and I, I really liked what you wrote prior to game three about the power play because I wasn't as quick to light my hair on fire and scream and yell about the power play in game one because the way I looked at it was they're just getting back into this it's it's literally impossible to replicate any kind of game pace in practice or training camp and then you throw yeah. the wrinkle in that it's a, pl- a play-in playoff qualifier whatever you want to call it so there's going to be rust there's going to be a little bit of getting back on track. The one thing that didn't bother me too much until I read what you wrote with the, with the systems breakdown was that it seemed like for a lot of those power plays, they controlled the puck. They were in the zone. They got a couple chances. And I mean, let's call it what it is. The reason I didn't overreact over game one, Carey price stole that game. There's no two ways about that. Carey price was unbelievable. That game was won and lost in the first 10 minutes when the Penguins just absolutely blitzkrieged them in the first 10 minutes yeah. and couldn't score. Like if you've yeah. watched hockey for any extended period of time, 
you have seen that that movie multiple times where you just rock it out of the gate, you dominate a team, but you don't score. That's a game where you just go, this goalie is stealing this game. So mm-hmm. I wasn't all that concerned until I kind of, until you broke it down to the way in which they were kind of minimizing what they had with said possession. So in that regard, it made a lot more sense. But I was also willing to give them the wide berth of they're in the zone, they're getting some looks, it's game one of a, of a qualifying series, you're never going to be able to replicate anything like game pace. And then I watched it and I was like, actually, this is a paper tiger. Like, it's to the point of, okay, they have possession and they're in the zone. Great. They weren't doing anything with it. Well, that's uh, that's really 2010 all over again, though, right? Because it's kind of the same it's kind of the same thing, which I guess is surprising because, like, Jacques Martin's on the roster now, right? Like, he's on the yeah. payroll. <laughs> the so, guy who's timing like, on anybody his coaching. Would know, yeah, if anybody would know how to beat it, you'd think it'd be him. Um, it, but... The, the extra element in this to me, um, you know, you mentioned the goaltending is also both teams have to play on the ice surface, but it's affecting one way more than the other. Um, and I, I also kind of blame them for this because at some point you need to make the realization that like a simplification is you're going to be only route to success. Um, and the toe dragging has especially driven me crazy, uh, given the fact that like that's a really poor idea when there's Grand Canyon sized holes and ice surrounded by slush. So, you know, that's a big one. Um, but I, I, you know, so you can't control save percentage and, sh- and shooting percentage. And, and we talk about these things like ad nauseum, right? They're the, the, the eternal laws of the game. Um, but you also, you know, I think in, in instances within the course of a game, you know, while you may be, to your point, Pat, procuring, you know, 65% of the uh, shots and scoring chances, you're wounding yourself uh, when you're not. <laughs> and like that game, you know, game three was 100% a case of, you know, even in the early portions when the Penguins were dominant, you know, it was still uh, so many of those self-inflicted assignment wounds that just, you know, make th- they make the game... Uh, lopsided when you know realistically it probably shouldn't be at all and it's it's just being opportunistic I think that's one of the best ways to describe the Canadians in this series is they're opportunistic they do not let their chances pass pass by they get an opportunity and they take advantage of it and you can blame that on whatever you want is there some blame to be placed on Matt Murray sure is there some blame to be placed on the defense? Absolutely. Is there blame to be placed on the forwards for not being in position or not picking up the right guy? Of course. But, you know, I, I was I was listening to, uh, I want to say it was Dangle's podcast, but this was a while back. It wasn't recent. They were talking to Sportsnet's Ken Reed, and he brought up a point that, that his, I think, helped me a lot as a hockey fan and pseudo analyst of hockey is he brought up the point that hockey fans and sports fans in general are so quick to watch their team get scored on, give up a big play, whatever it is, you know, name the sport, right? And, And the mentality is to instantly go to 
how did my team screw up, right? Not what happened on this play as a whole. Yeah. Like, I got, I got into this argument last night. Uh, I had hockey practice, so I only got to see about uh, the first few minutes of the, of the first period and then about the last half of the third period, so that's, that was true misery for this game because I didn't get to see any of the fun parts. Uh, but the Petrie goal... Is there some blame to be laid on Murray for letting that in? There absolutely is. There's also a lot of blame to be placed on the skaters for giving him that much time to shoot. But to what Ken Reed was saying is, that was a perfect shot by Jeff Petrie. I mean, like, but it's kind of the point I'm making is, you, a lot of people, and I'm not saying that there are. We're not going to critique the Penguins. We're not going to, you know, absolve them of blame because there's a lot of it to toss around right now. But it's the fact that you got to look at the entire scope of the play in the game, in the goal, and it, like that was just a perfect storm of Petrie had an unreal shot. Murray didn't play it his best. And the skaters did not have the right coverage on the ice. So, you know, I because I, I saw a lot of people melting down. Like, you know, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, that's it for Murray. Oh, Murray's terrible. Oh, this is typical Murray. And it's like, you got to look at the whole picture here, gang. Like, so. Well, I mean, let's just let's just get right into it then, because like I'm, I'm for them making a change. Um, but I said today, like when it comes to this, I don't I'm not for that change being made. Because I think he's, Murray in particular has been bad. I don't think he's been bad. And I'm not saying I want to make the change because you know, it gives them a better chance to win from a save percentage perspective. I think the real element to this that is the scale flipper for me is the puck movement side. Um, specific to, to just, you know, I, and this, this is what stood out to me about the third, really, um, was, was that thing getting dumped in in Montreal, really just looking to kill it off, right? At that point, uh, it goes in behind the net, and then you know Murray just his his skill set is to just stop it. You know that's really it. That maybe a five footer, maybe a ten footer, right? Yeah. You know that'll make you uncomfortable in the process. Um, that's you know what you're doing in that situation is you're forcing everybody to to back up and come deeper, right? Which at the same time affords Montreal the ability to set up shop, you know, close those lanes down, do what they do, and make life even easier for Price, who's having a pretty, you know, he's seeing beach balls right now anyway. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, so I, I also made mention of this, and I'm, I've since corrected myself, because one of my other takes was, you know, it's a wake-up call to the team, but I'll be frank, Pat. If if being in an elimination game isn't, there's no change in the world you're going to make that's going to make you know it's gonna, yeah that's going to make that click. Yep. Um, I, I I'll stand by that. Uh, uh, you know, just that that assessment uh, of the puck moving piece because I do think it's becoming a little bit of you know a little <coughs> bit problematic. Well, and and, and, uh, and similar to that point as well, I think. One of the biggest conundrums the the Penguins face in this series is the way that Montreal clogs the middle in the neutral zone. Mm 
and the fact that they have Carey Price. Because obviously there is a way to skate through the middle, move the puck through the middle, and break that kind of pseudo-trap that they run. But really the best way to beat it is to gain the red line, put it deep, and go to work. But there lies the conundrum. You have Carey Price back there. And they have not done a good job of being super strategic about where those things are going. Exactly. Because having Carey Price back there with the way he is playing right now, because I know a lot of people prior to this series were like, oh, you know, everybody's putting Carey Price up on a pedestal. Oh, it's Carey Price. He hasn't been great. Like, oh, he's been on a decline. He had four months off, like everybody else. You don't think that's going to help? Like, that's going to help a lot. So it sure did because you weren't getting this value it, from him, uh, you know, in February. Right. So that's the that's the issue is that he is essentially on a dump in a third defenseman because he mm-hmm. goes behind the net, stops the puck, sets it up right to his defenseman, and they're back the other way. So that's a huge issue because, like you said, they're not being strategic with where they're putting it. They're putting it, they're trying to rim it around, they're trying to ring it around the boards, and he's stopping that. You have to go cross-corner. You have to put it out of the trapezoid so he can't go get it. And they just have not been doing that, and it's it, it's the definition of insanity. It's trying the same exact thing over and over and over again, getting the same result, and being surprised that you're getting the same result, and it's so frustrating to watch. Here's another one for you. Uh, this is this is an experiment, Pat, that I was super into at the time. <laughs> and I think after game three, I'm no longer into it. And it's this trend that's really only specific to one line. And I, and I do get the impression that this was an agreed-upon idea <laughs> between all parties involved. And it, it's sort of the... Uh, this whole Evgeny Malkin swooping all the way back into the deep into his own end on the breakout to retrieve the puck himself and sort of become the, he sort of becomes the breakout. Um, I thought that it was a cool wrinkle in games one and two that took Montreal by surprise. And in game three, I thought it was an opportunity for Evgeny Malkin to skate directly into four red jerseys and turn the puck over. Um, you mentioned this thing about getting it deep and getting to work. Um, you know, here's another one. Don't you don't have to dump it in right when you gain the red, right? Like you could go an extra five or ten feet. Like you just need to avoid icing. And a strategic dump is sometimes better when you're right outside the blue line than it is the moment you've crossed the red line. Um, but either way, I mean, to your point, you know. I, they're they're doing these things and still maintaining 65% of the even strengths shot share and scoring chance there. So again, like what would these things look like if, uh, you know, they weren't happening? Well, well two, two things on that. One, I, I tell this to the team I coach all the time. I, I said it to them a lot last season because, you know, we played a lot of teams that, that pressured heavy in the neutral zone. So our response would be gain the red and put it deep. But mm-hmm. we would tell them once you put it deep, that is not the, that's not the end of your job. You have to go get it. 
the the <laughs> yeah. the the way that's a crucial second but, half. But but the, the like the way we framed it was to get it to click in your head to say, what is it? What is it called when you dump the puck in and you don't go get it? And you know you ask that and you see a bunch of blank faces and then you go, it's a turnover. That's all it is. That's all you're doing. You're essentially ceding control of the puck. And there has been a lot of that in this series to where they dump the puck in and whoever's forechecking just decides, all right, I dumped it in. I'm good for now. Like, even if Carey Price goes to stop it, put him under duress. Like, make him make a faster decision with the puck. Because if you do that, chances are it won't be a clean pass and that follow-up guy on the forecheck can cause a little more chaos, can get a turnover, can get possession, can establish possession in the offensive zone, and they're not doing that. And then the other thing you said, gaining the red line by 5 to 10 more feet and then dumping it in, one, you have a speed advantage on the backup defense, the defenseman backing up, because they have to turn around and they have to skate forward and they have to turn your back to you. And two, it'll be a lot easier to place that into a corner outside of the trapezoid where they can go get it. And at the very least, it's a 50-50 puck. And you can at least get some kind of offensive zone possession time out of that. And they're just not doing that when they dump it in. And it's just... It's so frustrating to watch because it's the same result over and over again. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, oh, I, I could be doing this job because I fucking can't. But, uh, yeah. but, but <laughs> very important to point that out. But, like, it's a simple solution. And for some reason, they're not doing it. Um, we might as well just get to this now because um, it's going to, we've talked about just about everything else, I think, up to this point. Um, the Jack Johnson thing. Do you want to go first? Do we want to? <laughs> All right. It's weird to me. It's, can I start by saying it's weird to me that we're still having a culture war over this? It's so dumb. Because, it's so dumb. Yeah, right. We're not in a, in a position where like, this is still up for debate. You know, um, the Penguins are a worse hockey team when he's on the ice. Now people will say, well, that's true of every third pairing, right? Third pairings are always generally worse. You know, they're third pairings for a reason, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that Montreal's third pairing is sinking them like that right now, Pat? I don't know who Montreal's third pairing is. Damn good thing, too, isn't it? That's what I was going to say. That's a compliment I, you can give I don't, to their third like, <laughs> if, if you're, We say it on this show all the time. The best thing for a defensive defenseman is that you do not notice them. You notice when they yeah. do something well. Sometimes you notice when they screw up. But the aggregate is, throughout the whole course of a season or a playoff run, you don't think about them. I don't know who Montreal's third pairing is. No idea. And yes, some of that is because I am a Penguins fan. I We do a podcast about the Penguins. I write about the Penguins. You write about the Penguins. So we're way deeper in it than we would be with the Habs. But... Usually when a pairing is so bad, even if it's not your team, you notice. Everybody right. who is watching the Stanley Cup qualifiers right now is well aware of how bad that third pairing is. 
it's a national discussion. It really is. Like every, like people that I have literally that are hockey analysts, tweeters, bloggers, whatever that have had little to no opinion of the penguins in these three games have made mention of how bad it is. That that's a, that's a signal like people who do not pay attention and do not have an opinion have managed to go, Holy shit. Johnson and Schultz suck. Well, I kind of want to get this out too, because one of the, the sort of like popular retorts, I guess, to criticism about that pairing is, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, discussion about, um, while you can't say that, you know, X is solely responsible for the goal or X is, you know, the, 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 you know, look at this player, he had his player covered or, you know, this player is over here, the puck's over here. Here's the thing, you know, you're ignoring the micro instances that led up to the situation that caused the puck to be there in the first place. This gets into the core discussion philosophically about how we're supposed to evaluate defensemen. And, and, you know, a lot of people have used goals against rightfully. So for Johnson in this series as a, as a pointer to why he's not been good five out of the seven even strength goals, Montreal scored uh, have been with him on the ice, but you know, the, the overtime game, one goal where he and Schultz were in the corner, you know, that wasn't really their fault. No, you know, I don't no, blame that, them that. for that. I blame what I blame them for, Pat, is them backing up on that zone entry and giving Montreal all that space. They, they, that's they, what I blame them for. They see, they seeded <laughs> so much, um, so much space and so much possession. That's where their fault lied. You know, everybody and every, every, John Marino is handling that zone entry. Do they even get a possession there? Do you see what I mean? Like, if, so, if nothing else, it's a it's sure, a fifty fifty puck. Corner, if he's out they were there. in. They were in the corner when the goal was scored, and the the coverage miss on Petrie there was a Zach Aston Reese miss. And ta- but and why were we even in bit. that situation? Why? Yeah. Well, I'll give Tanev credit, Pat, because I, I said this in the video I did. He Leach tried to get back in, and he ran into Zach Aston Reese, and then he ran into like I don't know who the forward was, but he got cut off twice. So it was at least like, you know, at least you tried, you know. <laughs> 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 but um yeah you went uh you you, you went uh you went all jay's telestrator on us on youtube that was awesome stop it right here <laughs> i was waiting right. for that i was watching it and i was waiting for jesse you know let's, let's right here, stop right here. can you rewind it a little bit all these years yeah. all these years all, all these the only years, difference jay's, is i'm the one that's in control yeah i was gonna say like that's all these the years thing. jay's been doing the <laughs> telestration they can't give the guy a damn remote yeah just let the man manifest destiny you know um but that's, you know, so again, back to what I was saying, the goals against her are sure bad. Sure, great, yeah, but there was a point last night in the third period, Pat, where Montreal controlled 84% of every shot that was a quality shot in that game when Jack Johnson was on the ice. I don't need goals to tell me that that's bad. Do you understand? Like, that is not a requirement. <laughs> the goal, like, goals aside, like, you know... You st- even if Matt Murray stood on his head and kept everything out, you still don't want your you still don't want your uh, your third pairing defenseman hemorrhaging chances like that. It's the principle of the thing here, you know. That's that's the bigger problem to me. You know, you could focus on the goals if you want, but they're the end process of a their end result of a really shitty process. The bar 
for your third pairing defense should be break even. You don't have to drive offense. You don't have to be ridiculously stubborn defensively. Just break even. If you're on one end or the other, whether it's positive or negative, that's acceptable. But the fact that they are so far in the red is such an issue. Because all it means is you are putting more work on the goaltender's shoulder. You are keeping potential... You're stealing from your own forwards. Yes. You are potentially keeping a talented line, busy playing defense rather than attacking, and you just don't have the puck on your stick. And, and, you know, this is kind of what you were saying about the the culture war surrounding it. I hate to break it to the people that are so vehemently anti-analytics. It's really fucking hard to score without the puck on your stick. Like, extremely hard. And when Johnson and Schultz are on the ice, the Penguins don't have the puck. So... You can call that analytics, you can call that eye test, you can call it whatever the hell you want. The Penguins don't have the puck when those two are on the ice. So, they're not going to score. And last I checked, that's still how you win the game. You have to outscore your opponent, and when those two are on the ice, it's not very probable the Penguins are going to score. It's a lot harder to do it. A lot harder to do it. Um, The specific data points on this, by the way, uh, were from Fresh. Um, Jay Fresh Hockey on Twitter. Uh, Jock Johnson's effect uh, on the defense for uh, Kessel and Malkin in eighteen nineteen, Crosby in nineteen twenty, and Latang in nineteen twenty was thirty five plus for, percent to the negative in every case. Malkin Kessel uh, specifically uh, were fourteen percent better offensively without Jack Johnson. Crosby this year, 32% better offensively without Jack Johnson. Latang this year, 22% better without Jack Johnson. Um, the thing is, Pat, if they're going to do the chains, it's got to be Juso uh, Ricola because I, I like Chad Ruedel, but he's not an effective defenseman on his offhand. No. And, and, and listen, I said this on Twitter last night. It was a snap reaction, and I still stand by it with the benefit of, of time. If you are determined to continue to dress and play Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz for the remainder of this series, however long it may be, whether it's one more game or two more games, you have to 2015 Blackhawks this. Those two do not see more than 10 minutes in total of ice time per game you put the saddle on your first two pairings and sparingly use those two and if that's not enough then this team is not a cup winning team all right so uh let's do this then and here's where we'll here's where we'll wrap it up uh what happens in game four this is this is such old school hockey man analysis. <laughs> I love that though. 
it depends on who scores first. That's not that's not old school hockey, man. Not at all. Because I was going to say the same thing. If the Penguins concede the first goal, they will not win the game and will be eliminated. I truly, wholly believe that. That's regardless of any lineup decision they make. Their only chance is to get on the board first and to force Montreal to play the game. They have to force them to play their game a little bit. Um, I do think that Ajari would help, again, solely because of the puck moving. Um, but I think, you know, um, I, I yeah, I'm with you 100%. I'm with you 100%. I all, if, it, if they concede the first one, Pat, I could see him losing a 2 nothing snoozer that is just the worst game anybody's ever seen. I also agree with what Jen Tilly said, which, again, another episode, I got to say, God damn it, Shocking. I made a good point. Shocking. But it's just time. I don't think it's an indictment of Murray. I still think Murray is a very capable, very good goaltender. Yeah. But I think, and, and I know you said it and I laughed and agreed, but, you know, obviously an elimination game should be enough to get you going. But putting Jari in sends a message. Mm-hmm. It, it says, like, listen, I've, uh, well, before I, before the message, I've always been a firm believer when it comes to the Crosby, Malkin, Latang Penguins. Whoever is in net, whether it be Marc-Andre Fleury, Tomas Vokun, Jeff Zatkoff, Matt Murray, Tristan Jari, whoever. The only thing a Penguins goaltender needs to do with those rosters is just be good enough. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be Carey Price. You don't have to be Henrik Lundqvist. All you have to do is put your team in a position to win, and I think Matt Murray has done that for all three games. But it's just the fact that you have to tell this team, you need to do more. Because he has done his job. You have not reciprocated. Mm -hmm. And it's not me saying that Jari's better, Murray's better, whoever. I I think really realistically, like a five-game series is, it's a coin flip with those two. Both are capable, both are good. But you have to Sullivan has to send the message in game four. This is not on Matt Murray; it's on all of you. But Tristan Jari yeah. starts, and you better make it worth his while. Well, here's the thing: we're going to do a pod next week, no matter what happens. So before uh, we go, before we go, I want to I want to have this quick discussion because I, I said this to you and Mike today when we were planning this. Let's say they lose tomorrow. What's the fallout? Yeah, I don't know. Because this is my take. And it's, it, I think it's, it, it may be considered a hot take, but I, I, I didn't want to say this on Twitter. I wanted to hopefully podcast, and luckily we've been able to find some time here. I have a list of seven names. And they are the only seven people that are untouchable if they lose this. If the Penguins lose this series tomorrow in game four, if your name is not Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Jake Gensel, John Marino, Jason Zucker, Brian Dumoulin, or Mike Sullivan, you should be on the block. 
Yeah, and if and if Matt Murray and Jack Johnson start tomorrow and they both blow it and get eliminated, Mike Sullivan's name's not on that list anymore, in my opinion. I agree. I, I agree to an extent. Um, I think there is a bit of an element right now with this. I'm not saying that gar- that's a slam dunk guarantee you get rid of him, but you have to at least consider it. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. You've got a coach that's married, you know, to uh, you know. Uh, something that's not so hot no absolutely but i also think there's a little bit of an element right now depending on how this team comes out of the gate tomorrow of regardless of who he plays you're rearranging deck chairs on the titanic like because i mean the 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 last 10 minutes of the game in game three like you looked at that and went if they play like that against literally anybody else who the fuck are they gonna beat let alone keep up with but at the same time, like, you know, I know people hate the kind of like trade and, you know, blow everything up talk, but not a lot's worked over the last two and a half years. And of those names, those are the only guys really that have been fairly consistent. And if you're thinking about just keeping everybody else, like, what are we doing here? We're repeating the same process over and over again. Well, it's going to make our future episodes uh, content rich. Oh, we're going to have a lot to talk about regardless of what happens. But, hey, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to show up. We're going to watch the game. And damn it, during the lead-up to game time and through the game, going full P-Samp. Penguins by a million, baby. Party hard. See you next time. Talk to you.